This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control. It's a car show that we have here on BFM. Uh, I'm joined on the phone lines, as per usual, by my friends, Arif Ruse. He's the man with the news. Say hello, Arif. Hello, Richard. And Daniel Fernandez, he has that website, dsf.my. Funnily enough, his initials match his name. Hi, Daniel. <sighs> Good evening. <laughs> so nice to have friends. <laughs> As usual, a show in three parts. We've got some news at the top of the show with some car launches, uh, a bit of a pit stop in the middle, as you would expect, and a used car review at the end. Should you buy a BMW E36? We're going to wait for Arif to scream. Yes. <laughs> and then more on that coming up. Arif, kick us off then with this news. What have we got? So, um, some positive news to start this show off uh, is that the automotive industry, after it's been reopened, it's healing. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've seen all the memes about people saying the traffic's back, you know, everybody's driving horribly again and blocking yellow boxes. Malaysia is healing. Lovely to see that. Uh, so after its horrid, horrible lockdown 3.0, things were really apparently at the worst in July. Production was less than 3,000 units. Sales were less than 7,000 units. And just for context, in August 2020, production and sales were both about 50,000 units a month. So we're pretty far down in terms of those numbers. But mm. uh, quite a lot of revenge buying going on here. And sales, uh, as mentioned, sales in key states like KL and Slangor opened on 13 August. So we saw about 14,000 cars produced and sales went up 147% compared to July. 17,500. So... The MAA are expecting this month in September that the sales and production will increase because one month full of business rather than just three weeks. Mm. But apparently, they're also expecting continued chip shortages. That has been reported that it might last until 2023. So production and deliveries of some cars like your brand new Mercedes AMG 63 mm. will still be delayed by quite some time. And just a little offshoot before Daniel gives his opinion. An interesting fact I found on Twitter. Yes the least reliable place for information on the internet. Penang supplies 10% of semiconductor components globally. You know why that is? Why? Because the Intel factories are up there. Oh. And you interviewed someone from Intel, right? I, I did indeed. And I can, t- I can tell you from the horse's mouth that they expect the global uh, chip shortage to last at least two to three years. So even longer than 2023. Yes. That's good. You know why I'm saying that's good? Because that's good for our business. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, we were supposed to start a chip factory, that's right? right? That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So what did you get? What did I get? Not a yeah, lot. You are supposed to get some information. I know, I, but I can't tell you yet until the interview goes out. You have to wait. Ah, when's the interview? When's the interview? Uh, the interview is going out next week. So you've got to sit and hold your horses for a week. Okay. So <laughs> listeners, please wait for the interview. Richard has interviewed the head of Intel Malaysia, that's right? That's correct, yes. Oh, he must be so intelligent. <laughs> oh, boom. <laughs> Somebody get him a stand-up gig, please. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is, isn't this one already? Yeah, um, yes, but actually. <laughs> any thoughts on, you know, the automotive industry healing, guys? I'm, I'm so happy it's healing. I'm so happy business is back. The showrooms are getting filled up. I actually visited about 10, 12 showrooms in the last couple of weeks. Um, I didn't buy anything, couldn't afford it. But, you know, I just wanted to visit and see what kind of activity is going on. People are there. People are buying cars. The amazing thing is the number of people buying cars. I like the fact that you use the word revenge buying. 
what's the revenge for? <laughs> Why is the word revenge buying? And everyone keeps saying, oh, my sales are doing well because of revenge buying. Why revenge? What is the revenge about? Is this a hypothetical question or an actual question? Actual question, guys. Okay, well, here's the thing. The very fact that people have been prevented from going out and buying anything and spending their hard-earned money on everything and you know being confined oh. into a space... It's the idea of, you know, I'm going to get my own back and, and do what I want to do, and now I'm going to buy what I couldn't buy when I was being locked down. That's the idea. Right, so I'm going to go out there, get a loan, and, and, and pay money for the next seven years. That's right. You grumble know, you about know. it. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the idea of revenge procrastination as well is like that you work all day, you know, you don't get a moment to yourself, and so what you end up doing is laying in bed scrolling through your phone okay. because that's the only time you get to yourself, and that, that's, you know, revenge procrastination as well. Revenge bedtime procrastination. So here is why I'm asking this question, mm. because three of us didn't buy any new car, so we've got no revenge? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> we'll take this offline. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, next topic, guys. Speaking of chip shortages and revenge buying and car prices, actually, there has been a report by the Financial Times. Financial Times, you know, I know. Oh. We're starting to cite some serious economists. Yes. So they say that apparently luxury car prices will continue to rise in spite of the two, three-year semiconductor chip shortages and obviously the pandemic. And BMW and Daimler themselves reports that they intend to keep their prices high even if things return to normal. Um, this is, uh, you know, luxury car makers, and we've been talking a lot about these million-dollar cars in the past year or so because they've just been everywhere, right? Mm. Mm. Uh, luxury car makers, you know, are starting to see uh, increased demand and willingness from customers who are revenge buying to buy higher price, slightly more bespoke cars. So, Daniel, I think you have some thoughts on that. Yes. Okay. Think about it this way, guys. Uh, imagine uh, on a normal day, two years ago, you walk into a Mercedes or BMW or any luxury car showroom, the first thing, and I'm talking about people with serious money here. I'm not talking about those buying the two, three hundred thousand dollar cars. Those are not serious money. Serious money, five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred thousand. They walk in there and the first thing they do is how much discount? How much are you gonna give me? I'm gonna pre not. I want a demo unit with without mileage. And then how come it's a demo unit? You know, this has been the trend in selling cars, not just in Malaysia, it's been overseas. A lot of people, when a new model comes out, they say, Okay, I'm gonna go and get a demo unit. Now Car companies have sort of started this over the years because why? I want to beat my competitor by 1,000 units this year. So instead of selling 5,000 units, I want to sell 6,000. So it's been a game of who sells the most number of units. Now, if you take a calculator and go down after all these discounts, for example, if you sell 5,000 units, say you made 50 million ringgit, for mm. example. Mm. okay. But now they're realizing I sold 2,000 units, no discount. Because times are bad, cars are shortage, people are revenge buying, you know. Mm. And I still made 50 million. Mm. So I don't need to give a discount to make, you know, my minimum profit, you know. Mm. I don't need to sell a lot of cars at a lower price and kill my margin and make life difficult just because I want to sell more units than my competitors. So I think what BMW message because they are the titans in the space, you know. Mm. So they were the first to come on and say, hey, listen, in our premium models, no more discounts, no more special offers, no more, you know, like demo units and everything else. Hey, you want, you buy. Because even, even today, you walk into any BMW showroom in Malaysia, which I did, and a Mercedes-Benz showroom, no discount except for the SST, yeah? no pre-reg, no demo units. They might have one or two which were real demo units, you know, the, the test drive cars for the showroom, you know? Yeah. But they're saying, no, you take it as it is. You don't like, okay, I'll let you walk away. And you know, usually 
It's like going to Pasamalam lah. You know, you walking away. Everybody say, okay lah, bros. You come back lah. Yeah. You come back. <laughs> now when you're walking away, okay, see you. See stay you, yeah. safe. Mask up. You N- know. Normally they were like holding onto your t-shirt and stopping you from going. You know, out the door. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So now you can see that these guys have wised up to the profit margin and not the unit sold. So after this report was done by us, we also noticed that some other news outlet was talking about what Audi is planning to do, Porsche, Lexus. So all the premium brands will soon say, sorry, you're not happy? Thank you, bye-bye. You know? I think we had a similar a similar discussion when we were talking about the Lamborghini Countach. Right. When it was launched, I think it was priced about $700,000 US dollars or something like that, whereas its competitors would have been about $200,000 US dollars. And mm. the main strategy here was that why waste, you know, $1.5 billion developing a new uh, Lago when I could sell 500 units of the Countach and make up all that money? Yeah. Yes. And I think there's a good trend because, you know, I no one will be chasing for numbers and no one will be flexing their muscles because they sold an additional two cars, you know? But do you guys think that it's right to do? They can just basically charge whatever they want for whatever they build. If there's a willing buyer, why not? Because, you know, I... Okay, revenge buying will probably end very soon, okay? But that also means that now the car makers, I feel the car makers will now concentrate more on actually delivering a better quality car in terms of after sales and reliability. Because you must remember, the next generation of cars that will be coming out with this new attitude, it's going to be electric cars. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're going, to, you're going to worry about after sales, you're going to worry about battery, you're going to worry about you know the, the technology being stable, whether the battery is going to start a fire like what GM is happening in US. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, uh, with a Chevy yeah. Bolt. Correct, correct. I think a lot of people kind of expected this pandemic to change how a lot of things were done and you know, how mm-hmm. markets moved and how we, we looked at buying consumer goods and vehicles and whatever. And for a while, it looked as though things might change, right? industry was selling stuff to us in a different way they're a bit more appreciative of like we know you've got all that money let us help you out one way or another and now with this mindset that people are coming out of this pandemic and they can do well i, I say coming out you know trying to come out of this pandemic they, they really have gotten onto that emotions of people and know that people just want to buy things okay, they've yeah. manipulated us back to where we were before uh, mm. And now they're even stronger and much less apologetic about it. Mm. Very true. We are sheep. No, no. Well, not the three of us. Yes, we're not sheep. No. <laughs> because we, we had no revenge at all. No, we didn't. No. <laughs> we didn't get the chance to have the revenge. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but I think, you know, with all with BMW, Daimler and probably Audi and Volkswagen Group, you know, they, they've introduced new brands and an entire range of cars dedicated to high technology, high luxury, like Mercedes EQ, BMW i, Audi e-tron. These cars are really, really, you know, they're expensive. Mm. And Audi e-tron costs as much as a Porsche these days. Exactly. And I guess, you know, what will this mean for consumers? And I kind mm. of see, like, there's probably more market room for the mid-range mix and models like Volvo, Kia, Hyundai, Mazda. The sort mm. of premium brands, mm. but not quite premium. Yeah, what's going to happen is, you see, the Japanese and Korean brands who were always, even though they're equivalent in terms of technology and, 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 and product, but because they didn't have that brand image to charge that extra money, mm. they are going to move up their game. Mm. I think every one of them will be split down the middle. We have our high-end models and we have our low-end models, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And they are going to get market share. And I think that's good because why? then the Europeans will say, hey, you know, we lost out here. Yeah. Because the middle class is shrinking. There's two different demographics now. That's getting a lot of attention, which the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, you know? I read something today. Um, 
So it's uh, over half a million M40 households are, are now uh, B40, and this is according to you know the, the Prime Minister. Mm. All slipped in the bottom 40% due to the current health and economic crises caused by COVID-19, of course. Worrying stuff. Yes, Very it is. worrying. Anyway, now then, what are we talking about? Back to more cars. Back to more cars. Get back down to, uh, to earth where the new Honda BRV was launched. Ooh. 2022 Honda BRV. And it looks pretty good, right, guys? Yeah, yeah. It looks really good. It's not launched in Malaysia yet. This is Indonesia. This is Indonesia. I think this new look makes it look like a proper Honda product. It looks like they stole the, the front end from a bigger Honda and the rear end from the CRV. I was sorry. I was laughing at the names um, of the, the paint jobs. Because it's like <laughs> premium opal and crystal and modern steel and lunar silver and then taffeta. <laughs> it's a very soft name for a white color. Taffeta. Right? taffeta is a nice girl. Don't say that. <laughs> what is taffeta? Isn't it some kind of material, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> taffeta. Taffeta is a crisp, okay. plain woven fabric made most often from silk. Oh, mm. fancy. There you go. On your Honda BRV. There you go. Mm. Well, this new Honda BRV looks like it could wear that color pretty well because it's it looks quite fancy. You know, it's it's got more aggressive bumper cladding, which makes it look less like an MPV and more crossover. Yeah, crossover. It's got nicely sized wheels, perfectly proportioned wheels, which I yes. thought is interesting to point out because a lot of these MPVs look like they've got toy car tires, basically. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, it's got the same naturally aspirated 1.5 liter engine as before CVT gearbox. Uh, Honda Sensing, 7-inch infotainment screen, second and third row power outlets for your kids to charge their iPad. And as Rich mentioned just now, five different colors with five fantastic names like Tafeta White. <laughs> but absolute blasphemy that they just, you know, they're they're going to offer the car in just five shades of gray, which is wrong. Which is essentially what it is, yes. Five shades. Oh, that's a really bad But movie. you see, you, must, you must understand, this is probably the most popular colors they've seen people buying in the last few years. I mean, do you see a bright red uh, BRV running around? Do you see a bright blue or bright green? No. I mean, I've seen a few, but it doesn't hurt to... And, you know, and like Daniel has alluded to in previous shows, maybe they've run out of paint. Probably. <laughs> that's true. That's no? true. Logistics is a bit of a hard thing these days, you know. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of logistics, uh, another car has been launched in Australia and we're wondering when it's going to uh, come over to Malaysia and that's the Ford Ranger 2022 it's been teased in Australia nobody knows what it looks like around the world but is it coming to Malaysia when is it going to be coming to Malaysia Daniel well you know I don't think it's coming this year because to be honest Ford in Malaysia has still got a lot of stocks of the Ranger uh, same with all the other brands all the truck guys are still sitting on a lot of stocks because not a lot of people are feeling revengeful against pickup trucks you know <laughs> <laughs> so there's still quite a bit of stocks to go. It's three more months to the end of the year. I think probably first quarter next year. And what I heard, this truck might also come in as a plug-in hybrid or a simple hybrid, you know, mm. mm -hmm. which means it'll carry some of the technology that we've seen in the Maverick and the F-150 in the US. And that is good news because this truck then will be high-tech. It'll be ahead of the rest. It will be a market leader from launch because I've not heard of its competitors coming with anything close to this kind of tech in a truck. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty high-tech stuff and it looks pretty mm. good as well. It looks to be very beefy. It does indeed. The new Ranger is obviously, I mean, it's super hotly anticipated ever since the F-150 became a very, very, very big truck. Mm. Now everybody, even Americans, are kind of looking at the Ranger and going, "That's actually the, the, the you know the size of truck that we want." But I feel like it's, you know it's kind of stuck in a middle child syndrome because everybody wants the F one hundred and fifty. It's got millions of sales, highest selling car in the world, I think. 
And then remember we were talking about the Ford Maverick and how usable it is. Yes. It's kind of the new kid on the block that everybody talks about. But the Ranger is kind of like, oh yeah, you know, the trustworthy truck that everybody loves. But uh, there's one thing that I want from this new Ranger, and that is, I don't know if you've seen the videos. There was a video of a wedding happening Mm. and the power got cut out. And a Ford employee was test driving Ford Maverick. Exactly. And he used it to power the wedding. <laughs> How awesome is that? You know, yeah. just by using the hybrid batteries in the truck, he got the wedding up and running and they finished the procession. And then after that, he had no more juice to go home. Probably. <laughs> but interesting car, this. Really, really looking forward to the new Ranger. I just want to say size is a bit too big for Malaysia. You're never going to get a parking spot for it. You know, if they get the size too big, it's going to be difficult to get into car parks and uh, malls. But anyway, yes. people still buy it and people will love it. Okay, time for a short break, folks. A bit of a pit stop coming up. We're talking about investing your retirement money. Um, I feel called out, Daniel. What's going on here? Huh? Is it <laughs> not yet. Not is yet, Arif not calling yet. me and you out, do you think? Mm, maybe. <laughs> we'll be right back after these messages here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. <laughs> Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm on the phone lines with Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, Richard. And the man with the news, Mr. Arif Ruse. Say hello, Arif. Hello, everybody. Time for a nice discussion now, gentlemen. Um, is it a good idea to invest your retirement money in a classic car, Daniel? Well, you know, <laughs> it depends, Richard, because you're not retiring yet. you still got a few good years ahead of you. At least a couple of months, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have not even married. It's a long way to go, you know? I was going to say, uh, both of you, you know, you guys got decades until you retire. Decades. <laughs> you, you made fun of yourself, man. Yes, you know, if I had decades, I'll be so happy. Anyway, so, you know, in my age group, there's a lot of people who are already retired or, you know, you know, just about hitting that, that retirement age. And of course, we always talk about EPF money, you know, what they've had saved up and kept and everything else. So, yes, like you said, there's revenge buying mm. for new cars, but there's also some kind of, you know, revenge requests for classic cars. Mm. And these are not people who are looking for, you know, like Ferrari Dino or Mercedes W108 or Pagoda. They're not looking for cars that are in the hundreds of thousands of ringgit, mm. you know? Mm. Now, these are also people who have Okay, the house is paid, the kids are educated or, you know, about to finish. So they know they've got that enough to play with. But that enough is maybe 30, 40, 50, 60,000 ringgit. And then also there's a little bit of thought about, hey, it'll be nice to have that weekend classic car to drive around. You know, I can use it. And then maybe after a couple of years, I sell it, I make a bit of money. And then maybe I buy another one and use it and then flip it. So some of my friends have been talking to me about this. And, you know, we've been trying to figure out what's a nice car to buy. Now, a lot of times when they come and talk to me, whatever I suggest, they never listen to me. <laughs> because this is all emotion. This is all in the heart. Yeah. And a lot of these guys, when they look at a car, they say, oh, this car is so beautiful. It, it's so, you know, when I see it on the road, it's like, wow, you know, and then with the right color and then, you know, with all the chrome bits. And then they go and buy one, you know, and then they, they bring it back. And then after they fix it, they say, man, it's like a tractor to drive. <laughs> the aircon is simply useless. My wife went out with me twice and then she said, no, I'm sweating. It's like a sauna. And then the steering is so heavy. My left hand is starting to ache. And that clutch, that clutch is ridiculous, you know? And then I can't find the gear. After the first gear, I can't find second, third, and fourth. I can find reverse. So 
these are the problems with old cars. Mm. There are enough people out there who go for looks, you know. And you know, like me, I've never been a person who go for looks. I go for the heart, you know, the attitude, you know. So <laughs> when you when you look at a car, yes, it may look great, but if you think you're going to use it and then make some money out of it, this is what you got to do. You got to find something practical because if you buy a classic car, you do it up, and then after that, you just store it. It's going to deteriorate very fast. Mm. These cars must be driven. Whether it's a 50-year-old car or even a 25-year-old car, it must be driven. So I decided to do a short article to just, you know, just to liven up things a bit. So some people, you know, oh, my Mazda RX-7 is a classic car. Fair. My air-cooled Volkswagen Beetle is a classic car. But your uncle's Datsun 120 you inherited, that's not a classic car. <laughs> there are certain cars that it may be old, it may be, you know, classic in its looks, but it's not really a classic car if you want to play in this game. So you must look at something which will definitely go up in value. You must look at something which is a bit rare. You must look at something which is not so common on the road, like a W124 Mercedes or a W123 Mercedes. Why is the W123 moving up in value whereas the W124 is stagnant? Because it's just way too many of these cars on the road. So if you're going to spend money to keep it, to think that you can make money out of it in a few years' time, don't waste your time. Think about it. Even the W126, a few years ago, everybody wanted a W126 S-Class. Then the prices mm-hmm. creeped up, creeped up, creeped up. Then suddenly now, those who have these cars after restoring cannot get their money back. You know, they bought the car for say 8, they spent another 8 or 10, and then they want to sell for 20, 22. No, cannot get. Best price, 14, 13, 12. So, you must think about all that. Yep. So, of course, you know, nothing like a Porsche 911 you know, air cool Porsche 911 or Mercedes Pagoda, but you're not going to be able to afford that. Those cars are now ridiculous values, okay? So let's go a little bit more, how I say, reachable, you know? Something that you can probably think about and maybe still make a little bit of money. So you can still find the old Alpha GT Junior. Mm. I know it's a rush bucket, but it's a beautiful little car. It's not very difficult to drive. Now, yes, prices have creeped up, but, you know, there are so many still sitting in workshops here and there and then when you approach these workshops, like I did with one car, which I found outside a workshop rotting. I put a picture in there, the red one. I went to the owner of the workshop. I said, boss, this car for sale. He said, well, the owner left it here, wanted to restore and then ran out of money. And then this, I said, was this during the pandemic? No, four years ago. I said, oh, four years ago. I said, can you con- contact the owner? So he contacted the owner. The owner said, no, 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 I'm planning to revive the project. But I think if I was serious enough and made an offer to him, he might actually say, okay, la, take it, la, you know, because I don't think I can actually do it, you know? Mm. So go and look for a car like that. Go and look for an old Japanese classic, like say a Celica 1600 ST. There's still many sitting around in workshops and car parks and houses, you know, rotting away. Go and look for a W123 Mercedes Benz. Mm -hmm. You know, the one before the E-Class. Forget about the coupe, too expensive. Talk about nice photo. You can pick one up in Klantan, Kedah, Perlis, all these places. eh? 5,000, 6,000, 8,000, 12,000, depending on condition. Slowly do it up. They're easy cars to drive. They're easy cars to live with. Yep. A lot of people tend to forget about them. Start looking at the Volvo 144. Start looking at the Volvo Amazon, you know? Uh, those cars were beautiful, those cars. Exactly. They're, they're square bricks, but you know, a lot of people have forgotten about them. Yep. These are cars you can actually drive. You can even, if you, if you wanted to, you can even drive them every day. Because if you get them fixed right, if you have an honest guy to fix it up for you, they're actually not very unreliable cars. Mm-hmm. And then, People talk about the Volkswagen Beetle. Not easy to drive, lah. You know? Mm. And you know, that clutch and that gear shift. And then like old minis. Okay, they're nice. They're cute. Easy to drive. But not easy to get in and out, lah. Richard, too tall, I too fat. You know what I mean, (laughs) 
So you have to find a middle ground, you know, guys. Mm, mm. You know, yeah, don't yeah. just you must be able to drive them every day. And you know, those minis are so bumpy. You know, you you bring your wife, then her dentures will come out halfway, and then you know, <laughs> she get upset. So you want to be something more practical. Yeah. So think about something which is easier to drive, easier to live with. If you go and buy these old cars in its worst state, if you can start it and drive it, and if you think, hey, not too bad, like the clutch is not that heavy, the steering is not that heavy, the gear shifter, I can actually find four gears at least, you know? Mm. Then you start thinking about spending money to restore, you know? And that's how you should go. And let me tell you this, as long as you restore it, you don't have to go to classic showroom museum quality, you know? Just get rid of the rust, nice paint job, good interior, redo the carpets, redo the roof lining, make sure the engine is spurring nicely. Aircon must have like where do we live? We need an aircon, you know? And then you get all the little chrome bits re-chromed, get a nice set of tires. Bob's your uncle, man. This is the car you can live with for a few years, sell it, or wait for someone to come at a petrol station and say, Wow, uncle, ah, wow, your car very nice. Ah. <laughs> you wanna sell? Ah? Okay, young man, how much you give me? Ah, like that, lah. <laughs> So this is my advice for you if you're thinking of playing with your retirement money and earning a few ringgit lah, you know? You're probably not going to earn a lot more than you think. <laughs> yeah, but if you do it right, you don't lose money and then you, you get to enjoy a little bit of, you know, nostalgia. And even if you do it every year, you make a little bit of money. What What's wrong with that, you know? That's the kind of trend that everybody's going towards these days, right? Yes. It seems like every YouTube channel has a build video this old classic Mercedes turning into an EV or a restoration of an old Alpha or Lamborghini. Yes, because you need time to do this. If you're working full-time, Richard and yourself, both of you are working full-time, you can't do this. It's like me, I, I don't have much to do. So I can go out, look for parts, you know, go to junkyards, take the car to the painter, follow up with the painter, make sure the chrome bits are being done. So you need a bit of time and it, it keeps you occupied and keeps your mind awake so you don't, you know, become a vegetable, you know? Mm. What about the modern classic era, the, the mid-90s cars? Because I think there are some of them that will be coming up in prices very soon. There's one of them that we talked about. And there's one we're going to talk about just after this. Yeah. You know, cars like a E38 7 Series BMW or mm. a 1992 right. Honda Those cars were super cool. You know, it's such a cool car that was in the minds of so many people at the time mm. back then. Mm. Somebody might be crazy enough to buy one off you for about seventy five, eighty thousand. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to say this, and I know a lot of people, especially those who are in this business, are going to be angry at me. But that'll be good because then it'll become the number one radio station in the world because of the amount of people that will hate me for saying this. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> These ridiculous JDM prices are going to end very soon. I agree. The moment the, the world opens up. The moment airports open up, the moment, you know, flying and holiday travel opens up, everybody who has all this pent-up income and pent-up savings will say, hey, I don't need a JDM car. I want to sell it and I want to travel. I want to see the world before the world implodes and I want to see the world before I implode. I don't want another car in my garage. That's going to happen. Yeah, and I, and I think that conclusion is going to be come to by significant others in that relationship saying why are you spending that amount of money on a car just because it's from japan you know <laughs> yes richard you're very right you hit it exactly i mean come on 
paying 40 50000 for a whole Honda Prelude. I mean, it's a nice car, but 40 50000 okay, that's high enough. Paying 300000 for a Honda S2000, no, 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 no. Paying 280000 for a Mazda Ifini, no. Supra, 300000 limited units, what is this, la? you know? <laughs> Just think of how many pampered days you could spend at a Ritz-Carlton. No, it's not only that. Come on. The car <laughs> may be nice, but it's not worth 300000 Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> you know, I mean, these prices... I mean, recently someone told me Honda CRX 1.6, 78,000 ringgit. I said, my God. A few years ago, it was 40,000 ringgit, you mm. know? Okay, pent-up demand. Nice car. But do I really want to pay that much for this small little CRX? I, I love the CRX, but come on, not that price. Okay, we need to wrap up, folks. Yes, sir. I do apologise for rushing you through that. Daniel, let's not spend that amount of money then. Yes. yes. Okay, uh, folks, we need to take a short break. But of course, when we do come back, it is that used car review. It was slightly alluded to earlier on. We mentioned it at the top of the show, and then Daniel kind of poked a little bit. It's a question. Should we buy a used BMW E36? Find out all about that after these messages here on Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. I've got Arif Ruse, that man with the news. Say hello, Arif. Hello, Richard. And Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, everybody, and thank you for still listening to our rantings. Now, rantings, yes. A question. Should we buy a used BMW E36? Who wants to answer this? Ah, that'll be me. Ah. Because Arif, of course, wants to buy. Of course he does. There's no point in him being here. just sitting there going, yep, yep, don't care, yep, yep. Yeah, I only have one word for that question. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is the thing. A lot of people who know me really well will say, you know, you'll never see Daniel Fernandez driving an old BMW. And this, mm. the simple reason is because after driving a lot of new BMWs and loving them, loving them for so many reasons because they're new and they don't belong to me, I realized that BMWs after 10 years, my God, the sharp decline in performance and, you know, reliability and everything else, but they still look so good. So in the last year, you know, like everybody's going on and on about, you know, this car, that car, this old car is really great, that old car is really good. So I'm not looking at classics, but everybody talks about the E30, the BMW E30, the nice square, boxy, retro, you know, twin headlamp, wonder car. I'll call it a wonder car because it has never failed to entertain you know, male, female, old, young, whatever. They see the car. Wow, this car is nice. There's, there's just something about that. That whole design and that whole iconic look, you know. Mm. But nobody bothers with the E36, which is the model that came after. So when I saw this E36 for sale, it, it belonged to someone I know. And he said, you know, I'm giving it up. I've spent a bit of money on it and all that. And I said, you know, you bought the car for X amount of dollars. I'm not going to reveal the numbers. Lah. He bought the car for X amount of dollars and he spent X, X amount of dollars on it, owned it for a few years. And it's not really 100% there yet, you know? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So he said, you know, why didn't you, you make me an offer? So I said, give me a few days. Let me think about it. And because I've always liked the E36. I remember driving the E36, you know, many years ago and being, my God, what an impressive car. Handling, rear wheel drive. Uh, and, the, and I was lucky because the one I drove was a manual. 
And even though it was it was a, a, a base model 320, it was one of those imported models, belonged to a friend of mine. I was so impressed. I said, one day when I have money, I want to buy an E36 manual. But, you know, it never came and I realized why. But when I saw this car, okay, it's automatic, it's 328, but it's still got that six-cylinder, you know, rear-wheel drive. It's got that spotty stance. Plus, he's installed a nice M3 body kit on it, nice wheels, the discrete rear boot spoiler. But when I got into the car, this car was so aged, you huh? know? <laughs> you know the plastics, the, the 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 pillar panels on the inside, the the roof lining, even the leather was so worn. The carpet, you know, I look at this car. I said, this was a premium car a few years ago. You know, this was luxury. You know, mm. and then I compared it to my two old non-luxury German cars, and I said, my 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 cars have lasted so much better, much more luxurious in terms of current presentation. And then when I drove this car, come on, it's a 328. The amount of power it's got, it's so sluggish. The gearbox, that auto gearbox, it feels like a two-speed. You know, it's like... (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, what's the the fascination? And there are creaks and groans everywhere, you know? (laughs) The good news is the engine is silky smooth because he spent a lot of money on the engine. Mm. The suspension is great because he's got new suspension on it. Electronics all work, but you know, the warning lights keep bleeping once in a while, you know, so you know, like something is not right, like, you know. And this guy has really spent quite a bit of time making sure the car is fit. But like, you know, paint along the edges are all gone. So, okay, if you have to respay the car and then you have to put in money for all that. So, when I started looking at this car and then I, I drove it for a couple of days, so as I kept driving it, I realized those M3 side view mirrors, you can't see a thing in them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They look great, but you can't see a thing in them, you know? And then you sit at the back of the car. When someone else is driving, there's no space. <laughs> there's no space. One thing you hear like an echo, you know, like, hello, are you an occupant in the back? It's like <laughs> an echoing sound. The radio's not on. So these are all the old things about this car that just, you know, just didn't sit right with me. But whenever I parked it, people admired the car, you know? Mm, mm, mm. Even when I parked it outside my house, some people came and said, oh, you bought this car. Wow, really nice. How much you paid? And I'm thinking to them, hey, when I have a look inside, now, I want to go for a drive. Say, are the windows like heavily tinted so they can't see inside? No, no, clear. <laughs> clear windows they could see inside. But you see, that whole BMW... See, a lot of people at one point in their life admired this car. They dreamed of owning this car. And mm. even today when they have money, they still dream, but they say, oh, it's too old. The thing is, you can take this car, I think you can spend as much XX as my friend has spent on this car, and you just cannot get it right enough to relive that old memory. You get what mm. I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... After having it for that, that that few days and driving it and experiencing it. And the funny thing is, someone actually asked me and said, Hey, you bought this for your son, uh, his first car. I said, You're crazy. Uh. <laughs> I'm buying an 18 year old BM3 series. Uh. You, you, you think I'm that? You think I'm, first of all, do you think I got that kind of money? And secondly, you think I'm crazy? And, and third, is he going to be able to maintain it? You know? Mm. Mm. And the consumption, this 3 to 8, you know, it, it, it loves to drink. It's a bar hopper, uh, you know? Mm. Mm. It drinks. But when you get it on a highway, I have to tell you, it is planted on the ground. When you get it into the high revs, it's a dream to drive. This car is not built for city driving. This car is not built for city commuting. It's not built for our potholes and our speed bumps and our ruts in the road. But when you take it on on the highway, which I did twice late at night, I loved it. I really loved it. I got to tell you, once you're up to speed, switch off the radio, Keep the aircon on low. Ah, the aircon is another thing. Takes forever to get cold. 
<laughs> and it's not a gas problem, man. Eh? Welcome to BMW ownership, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you got here. I mean, you know, and I and I and I and I said to one of my friends, I said, "This is actually a good car for people who want to lose weight because you know that aircon will make you sweat." <laughs> And you will lose weight. And you know, leather seats, you know, you can just wipe it off later, you know. But anyway, BMW E36 as your first car, maybe not. But as a restoration game, I think this is a good place to start. Because why? Prices are low. If you check on, on the classifieds, amazingly, the prices are low. There seems to be nobody looking at this car seriously. Mm. There are one or two guys who are trying to sell it for 20 over 1,000. And these guys, from the list of parts, the parts are more expensive than the car. Because if you check the second-hand parts of certain things on this car, like, for example, the rims, those cost quite a bit. The body kit. And then people mm. who change the steering wheel, exhaust system, you know, a full exhaust system. I won't give the brand names, but they cost like 3,000 ringgit. Strut bars, you know? Mm. When you start adding all these little things up, it's more than the base cost of a used E36, you know? Mm-hmm. So I can see a lot of people have spent a lot of money building this car up. So this is the kind of car you want to go and say, okay, this guy has spent almost 20000 and he's selling for 24000 Okay, sale done. I'll take the car. Because why? After that, it's just maintaining it, you know? Yep. And I think, honestly, revenge buying or pandemic or whatever, this car value is going up because the equivalent E30 in this condition is between twenty eight to 35000 ringgit. Yep. Yet a newer model with more power, better handling, better everything, more space, everything else, it's about half the price. So there is a lot of room for this price going up. So I'm recommending the E36. And you heard it here first. <laughs> Prices are going up in the next one year. Totally read. Hmm? Just a few notes that I would like to add. Because I have been looking at this car. It was I wanted to look at one of these for one of my first cars as well. Okay. Firstly, E36 it was unloved because compared to the E30 and E46, which came after it, it was terrible interior quality. It yeah. was a time where I think BMW made that shift in like the manufacturing processes. They were starting to try out new different plastics, new different attachments and dials and everything. Mm. <laughs> interior quality, everything you said. That's why I was laughing so much because it's so true. Right. A few problems that I think you need to watch out. Cracking on the rear subframe, that's one of them. Before you buy one, you need to check whether that's been done or not. If it hasn't been done, you can probably chop off a few thousand of that price because there's a lot of money to fix. Right. This was the start of uh, BMW using a lot of plastics in their engine bay. Mm. Uh, so the auxiliary fan will fail. The cooling system is weak. The water pump will die. The water bottle will die. People have complained about the, the washer sprays as well. Yes. Well, it's not got much <laughs> um, going so, for it, this car, has it? You know, it's, it's not even out of the gate yet. Yes. In the boot, apparently this is a popular problem with this car. The wiring in the boot that leads to the rear lights. There's lots of people who apparently have a lot of problems with their rear brake lights because the wire that leads up to there is in a pretty bad place to be put. Mm. So they will crack and wear and the copper wires will be exposed. And of course, classic BMWs, sagging headliner. But apart from that, you know, <laughs> the, <laughs> like Daniel said, these cars are Awesome. Yes. <laughs> These guys, you know, it's a whole totally different type of driving experience. And it's a very pure, planted BMW driving experience where you don't feel like you're ever going too fast for it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, what, once you get it on the highway, you know, and you're at the, I would say the sweet spot is about, you know, 90, 100 kilometers an hour, you know, you're in yeah. sports mode and, you know, oh, that car is nice. Sweet. Hear the engine rum- rumble. Yes. <laughs> I didn't want to say higher speed because of speed limit. Huh? Okay. I, I know we're running short of time, but I have one more tip. 
for people looking to buy their e e36. Okay. I mean, there, there were two engine versions Correct. in the e36 between 1992 to 1997. The earlier engines, which are called the M50 engines, these are more sought after by the modding community because this engine was called the German 2JZ. You can throw a turbo on there. It's got a cast iron block, uh, high-flowing manifolds that can make up to 500, 600, 700 horsepower with that. But if you buy the later versions with the M52 engines, those engines were uh, tuned more specifically for the 5 Series, 7 Series. So you got more mid-range torque, better economy. That's the one that Daniel uh, reviewed. Mm. You have an OBD2 port, which means you can just plug in your device and check through all the cast problems with your phone. You can buy a supercharger kit as well for that. I've been looking into all of this and... Honestly, I would say buy one if you are willing to foot more than $20,000, as Daniel said, into the car wow. and keeping wow. it. <laughs> On that note, shall we wrap up? Yes, sir. Well, thanks for all the tips. I know which cars to avoid now. Um, <laughs> although, I mean, yeah, I, I look at it, it, it is a classic, you know, silhouette. It looks beautiful. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I'd be able to get over that interior, though, you know? I, yeah, I'm a bit of a stickler for that. Anyway, that's just my opinion, and I'm an old man. And of course, you know, Arif has basically told me and Daniel we need to be retiring by the uh, uh, with this show, didn't he, Daniel? You said that. Okay, you I said, said, that. That. I said he that. Implied it. He implied it. He I didn't implied it. Didn't implied it. You heard it here first. Anyway, time for us to wrap up on this week's edition of Cruise Control. If you missed any part of this show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. We recommend the BFM app. It's available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. Same time, same place. Next week, we'll be back here for Cruise Control on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.